Hey, listener, if you feel like this podcast is entertaining or informative, tell a friend. Please, please, please. Recorded on July 5th, 2022, The Council of Six. Welcome to the Push Ahead Podcast, the podcast that's all about pushing the political conversation ahead, not pushing back. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Shelby, and we have a special guest. Hi, I'm Jennifer. And we're here to talk about SCOTUS and the most recent January 6th hearing. But first, we got a couple of elephants in the room. To kick things off, we had the Gavin Newsom ad. Yeah, I'm pretty salty about that one. He was encouraging Floridians to move to California, and Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, we need them here. I need Ronnie gone. Yeah, he was trying to... I guess, pull a reverse DeSantis, where DeSantis is advertising to the rest of the country, hey, if you are crazy and come to Florida, you'll fit right in. And Newsom is like, have you had enough of the crazy people come out to California, which is a little bit sad. I respected most of that ad, you know, at least bringing some national attention to the insanity that's happening here with Ron DeSantis and the legislator. But um, yeah, I I too was a little bit like, man, did you have to add that part (laughs) Uh, about people moving to, to California? Um, I'm assuming it was a little tongue in cheek to pull that and, you know, the opposite of Ron DeSantis. But um, I almost shared it. And then I thought, you know, I just mm, I don't agree with that part, um, no matter what, if it was a joke or not. But I, again, I do appreciate, you know, people from other states bringing attention to the extreme legislation that's been happening here in Florida, because it does impact national news. And we all know that he's going to attempt to run for president soon. So, yeah, he is. He's trying for those Internet points like they count for something. And Mm -hmm. it is worrying because the Internet got Donald Trump elected. So why not DeSantis? Yeah. And I just read on CNN that there's a loophole that he could use his reelection funds for governor for an election to president which he shouldn't be able to do, but... Yeah, loopholes. Huzzah! The next one is the crappy new laws that went into effect in Florida on July 1st. Which are? Which one? (laughs) There's many. The 15-week abortion ban, the stop woke, the don't say gay, all of those went into effect on July 1st. Right, right. I believe that there's already been fallout with teachers already being told to just remove stuff like family photos from their room already, even though it's not summer or it's summer. It's like it's not school season. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't speak about what's happening across the state. We're definitely not having that conversation here in Brevard as a school system, but we do have to figure out how to how to navigate this ridiculous law in order to protect our staff members themselves. Um, because as you remember, this law puts them at risk, Yep. even if we disagree with it. Um, and so it's our duty as well to, to kind of make sure that we're we're conveying really what's happening here and um, how they can protect themselves. I would hope to God, I can't speak for the school board as a whole. I'm only one of five, but I would hope to God that we wouldn't be having those conversations about removing photos. Right. Yeah, I just, I mean, as a teacher, they kind of tell you, hey, bring in some personal pictures that'll help you connect with the kids better. Mm-hmm. And the kids always want to know what, what's going on. <clears throat> I got married in the middle of the year when I was teaching and they're like, how was your wedding? And and everything. So I just taking parts of who you are down yep. doesn't go well with me. I think the scariest part about this law is it's devastating when it passed it's devastating that it was signed it was devastating that it's now enacted 
Um, but I think the most devastating part is that we're not going to really feel the impacts of it in one shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is something that's going to continuously be developing. I unfortunately believe that there are groups of people and individuals that will find ways to point it out, find the issue, find the problem. And I'm really, really concerned about our staff members. I'm really concerned about our students who are directly impacted by this and and the families too that are impacted by this. It's scary that this is going to be a long-term, painful, confusing roller coaster ride. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a sledgehammer law. This is a sharp knife that has been handed to certain groups. So again, it it's going to be slow and painful and the whole process is denormalization. If students learn, "Oh, I had a teacher that I really liked who had a positive impact on my life and they were LGBTQ+." Uh then maybe it's not so terrible to be, you know, not heteronormative. They're not going to be thinking in those terms. They're just going to think, oh, this person is a person. Why are we punishing people? And that kind of mindset is harmful to the other side. Yeah. And, you know, of course, on top of this law, it's all the other censoring laws, the redrawing of a reality and facts um, and curriculum. I mean, it's just, it's just insanity. It's like, what, what is this generation of students going to be like when they're being raised in an education system that is completely manipulated? Right. Yeah, as a history teacher, it's like, how are you supposed to teach? We're supposed to teach this thing so we don't repeat it. So if we yeah. completely whitewash it yet again. And speaking of teaching, on top of all the ridic- ridiculous restrictions that he's putting in place and manipulating of curriculum and, and reality and, and social reality for, for our students and our staff, um, at the exact same time, he's doubling down with his ridiculous uh, civics curriculum. Oh, um, yes, you where know, you have to learn about as if we've never taught civics before. And so, you know, the man who doesn't want indoctrination in his schools is, you know, single-handedly doing it himself. Yeah, yeah, because when the other side does it, it's indoctrination. But when I do it, it's education. Right. I guess they're going to stop looking at fascism and teaching communism. You know, it sounds frustrating because this is... This is the long game. They have won the midterm here in terms of passing laws that are going to be painful until the next election cycle, until we can flush out and and maybe undo some of the damage. I don't have the answers about how to fix this, how to make things better. But what I do know is that if we do, do. nothing, if we do nothing, they will win. So uh. it starts with voting. Voting is the absolute minimum. But if we do nothing, they will win. And what's really scary, you know, at least here in Florida, is this legislator and our governor, not that they necessarily feared their reelection campaign because they acted boldly and swiftly no matter what, but there had to have been a little bit of hesitancy. And so if he wins again in November, who knows what will come next? It's terrifying. And, you know, a lot of these laws were passed super late at night, like the abortion law. and. Uh, Oh, man, it it makes it really concerns me that this man is uh, completely in control of such such important issues. And he wants to control the entire United States. Right. And, you know, again, back to that ad, maybe he could just clip that part out. Yeah. (laughs) Moving to California. Um, Because, you know, I truly believe that the majority of Floridians don't align with what Ron DeSantis believes and the things that were passed in, in our government. And so 
you know, that's not the solution. We don't need to leave. We need him to leave. Yes. yes. <laughs> we need to fire him. All right. And then the next point of the elephant in the room. That was the late breaking news was Fulton County, which is in Georgia, handed down to Trump insiders subpoenas for their election tampering investigation. One of them included Lindsey Graham. Giuliani. Giuliani, Eastman, and several other lower players. But Atlanta's not playing. Right. So we covered this a little bit in a previous episode, but just as an update, a grand jury has been commissioned by Fulton County to look into the phone call, that most perfect phone call that Trump made to Raffensperger. (laughs) Yes. And so they are going to look into multiple potential felonies, how Trump may have broken the law. And so the grand jury's job is to say whether or not the evidence brought by the DA has enough merit to bring formal charges. And I'm sure that they will wait on the formal charges till after the election because Kemp would still probably pardon him. We'll see. This is tricky. But the grand jury could hand federal charges back up to Merrick Garland if Mm -hmm. they found that while doing this, they don't just look at laws broken in Georgia. They look at laws broken at the act committed in Georgia. And so say you kill someone in a state, they might hand the murder over to the state. And then they might say that you crossed state lines, so that would be a felony. And so then doing something crossing state state lines would be handed up to a federal DA. So there could be pardonable, non-pardonable charges here, you know, that if they do leave the state. Somebody needs to charge him with something. He needs consequences. Yes. He's gone his entire life without consequences, and it's sad that we're... Hoping for Georgia, of all the states, to give Trump, you know, the grifter from New York consequences. That would be wonderful. And then lastly? And lastly, local newspapers are shutting down. We've, we've known this. People are now paying attention. People are tracking that since 2005, according to a, the Medill School at Northwestern University, they found that since 2005, more than one-fourth of U.S. newspapers have shut down, and in the next couple years, that number will grow to a third. And this is important because local newspapers are what keeps local government accountable. You know, CNN isn't coming in and covering abuses by, let's say, I don't know, local... County commissioner. Yeah, county commissioners, sheriffs, state representatives. CNN doesn't care about those. Those are small fish. And so it's the newspaper that is read by the constituents that needs to be the fifth establishment to hold the government accountable. And with newspapers in financially dire situations and, you know, they're shutting down, they're losing distribution, they're losing editors, they're losing reporters. So there just isn't as much accountability. So we're, we're kind of in an accountability crisis because there's no local news stories to hold our, our elected officials are accountable because, like you said, they, they passed these really sketchy laws late at night and no one was there to report on it. Mm-hmm. And then you have other people trying to fill the vacuum of well, yes. the local news source. A lot, a lot of these local news sources that are still in business have been bought out by Sinclair Media, which is kind of like the Fox News of local news. They are equally conservative, they are equally organized, but they are pushing down stories from a central place and and then putting on a local coat of paint. 
I think the other thing too about this conversation, not only are they shutting down and not holding people accountable, but at the same time, they're all fearful of shutting down and fearful of appeasing the people that are in their demographic because of this politically divisive world that we're living in. Um, And I also am concerned sometimes that decisions about holding certain officials accountable are made uh, because they're worried about their readership and keeping that going because they don't they don't have the opportunity to possibly lose those readers. And so I think it's I think it's I think it's a bigger picture and it's uh, it's scary. Yeah, this is worrisome uh, again, because, yeah, uh, it is leading to self-censorship. It is leading to reduced coverage and it's allowing our government to get a lot less efficient. You know, it's it's allowing the excess that uh, grows in the dark. It's allowing Facebook to spread. Yes. Lots and lots of false stories. Facebook is not a news source. Facebook is where you go to see your neighbor post about cats. Always a good cat meme. Yeah. Unless it's news about what my cat is up to, I don't need Facebook to give me news. Or a missing cat. (laughs) Yeah. So that's all the elephants out of the room. And now we're going to cover the Council of Six. Yes, that is the latest meme going around is what has the Council of Six decided today? And of course, we're talking about the six conservative majority Supreme Court members who have decided to erode our Constitution and Republic. Right. The conservatives have finally won their Supreme Court. They've played the long game. They have finally put the conservative majority in place. And now they're... Hold on, hold on, hold on. They didn't play anything. <laughs> they cheated their way through. They, well, yeah. well, the last three, yes. But the long game of the Federalist Society was exactly yeah. this. Yes, yes. So they, they cheated. They, they stacked the deck. And now that they have control of the judiciary branch, they are doing their best to erode confidence and... They're doing their best to erode majority rule. Yeah. So, so far, struck major blows to human rights with Roe v. Wade. They've struck uh, major, major blows to states' rights with the concealed carry strike down. So they said that the constitutional protections overrule states' rights when it comes to guns, but states' rights overrule the Constitution when it comes to women, which means that women are now officially less protected than guns. It is a sad and shameful world we find ourselves in. And I'll say it again. I don't have the answer right now, but if we do nothing, I do know that the answer to what if we do nothing is they will win. Yep. Yeah. In November, we need everyone's like, what's Biden going to do? Well, Biden can't do anything thanks to Manchin and Cinema. Yeah. So we need to elect two more senators and keep the House majority and watch what will happen. Let's go, Val. <laughs> yes, please. Right. So this election, really, I hate saying it, this election is the most important election of our lives. I I want to get to the point that we're not writing the history chapters as we're living it. And we can't do that until there's a degree of sanity back in government. I look at my daughter and I think, dear God, like when you get to high school (laughs) and you're learning about this reality that you were living as a child, like what? What is going on? Like, it can't stay this way. It just can't. Right. Like, yeah, someone tell me it can't. (laughs) That's that's my thought. Like every year I think, okay, this is the year that we're going to reach the breaking point and stuff is going to happen. People are going to be in the streets and every year nothing happens. Yeah. And I keep hearing about this pendulum. Oh, the pendulum. I don't know if I I don't know if I believe in that anymore. Right. I think physics is not real. 
<laughs> where, yeah, there, where there should be a swing, there should be a reaction, except that yeah. they've seen it's the physics. It's not happening. So, so they've seen the physics of how stuff switch, you know, swings back and forth through momentum and kinetic energy and potential energy and gravity and physics. And then they realized some duct tape in the form of Fox News scare tactics and voter suppression overrules the pendulum swing and they just kind of and just, stuck you know, it. Clip, clipping the strings clipping the strings helps too yeah, yeah cutting the strings and just kind of gluing the pendulum to their side and not swinging it back yes if we were a truly representative democracy the majority would be ruling and not the 30 percent of crazy republicans who are just doing anything to hold on to their base and to their power i don't even think it's that high Right. I think you're being really generous. Yeah, I mean, because it's like that is giving them the majority of the minority. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't even think they have that. I think that you no know, way. It, it it's less than a quarter of the populace is holding the rest of us hostage. Just to own the libs. So Trevor Noah got in trouble on Twitter for saying, "Hey, maybe we should hold our elected officials accountable." And Twitter get got all angry at him for like, you know. I don't know, saying politicians should maybe do their jobs. It's only what we've been saying every year. Right, right. Every election year. Yeah, because he he suggested that Democrats only get funding and only get rewarded and only get votes for making forward progress. And Republicans get votes for just making a stink, you know. Doing batshit crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Bobert. You know, Bobert. Matt Gates. Yep. They haven't done anything, but their bases love them for it. I would honestly, I would love to have a job where I could be less than effective, where I could go in and hinder my coworkers and do whatever feels good and then have everyone love me for it. So you're basically saying that the Republican Party has become Bravo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no. They... I mean, no offense, Bravo. I love Bravo. Actually, I take that back. I take that back. I am a real Housewives fan. I take... <laughs> yeah. Well, well, no, the Republican Party have become seagulls. They come in, they scream, they make a lot of noise, they shit all over everything, they take a French fry and they leave. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look in 2010, we got a super majority in 2008. Obama passed health care and then the Tea Party formed. And then we got Mitch McConnell as a majority yeah. leader. Yeah. All because liberals wanted to give people health care. Well, you know, I, I can't get past the seagull and the French fry imagery. <laughs> and all I think is like that seagull totally would have dipped that French fry in a very, very white vanilla milkshake. <laughs> the big one that hit everybody in the gut was the reversal of Roe versus Wade. So am I officially a second class citizen? Yeah, that's how Ron DeSantis views it. Do we have a right to privacy? Uh, so in the majority hearing, they said uh, this doesn't negate or require uh, scrutiny for other privacy motivated laws. Except Clarence Thomas went. Yeah, Clarence Thomas had a separate concurring opinion, which is not law. And yeah. John Roberts, a, a concurring opinion, is not law. What is law is the majority opinion. And the majority opinion said, right now, we're not going to blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, they directly contradicted the logic that they used to strip the concealed carry rights from the state of New York. You know, state of New York said we wanted to limit rights. And it's like, I'm not 
I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to say what the logic is. But if you read the minority opinion of uh, the minority dissent opinion of the Dobbs case, which struck down Roe v. Wade, they essentially end it by calling out the other side by saying that the logic that they used to strip New York state's rights was directly violated by the Dobbs decision. Yes, you cannot have one ruling for states rights or for federal government and then the next ruling stating states rights. Do you think maybe like they get really like confused by the word contradiction because it sounds so much like contraception and like, <laughs> really wrapped up? Unfortunately, unfortunately, hypocrisy is a virtue for Republicans. No, you're saying hypocrisy, hysterectomy. Like, I just think maybe they're they're just like really getting really distracted. You're you're saying that the Republicans would ever wrap up. They don't wrap that rascal. That is the point of the game. They want to inflict suffering. They want to inflict pain. They want to keep the poor in poverty. And this is how. You know, we're going to see so many economic papers published about the impact of repealing Roe v. Wade. Economists are the only people who are happy about this because the United States has just been turned into a gigantic economy, uh, you know, research lab. Yep. And then, you know, there's lots of money to be made in births. Hey, I was charged $29,000 for an uncomplicated vaginal birth. Yeah, they're yep. not fixing healthcare either. No. I was about 12 grand with insurance. Yeah, they charged my insurance 28,000. And mm. I think we paid around 8. That is actually I I'm glad you say that. Um I know people are talking about that like, you know, you're not you're not dealing with healthcare at the same time, but that's a really realistic thing to have a conversation about is do you even know how much money it costs to have a baby? You know, I I I guarantee you none of these legislators even even remotely thought about that or had that conversation. Um, so you're forcing these people to have a baby. Then you're going to complain that it's going on the uh, taxpayer yep. if they don't have insurance. Yep. It's just insanity. Yep. Absolute insanity. That is a reason. And I, you know, let's think about the overall impact, too, of like our hospital systems, so, even though they're charging exorbitant amounts of money, many of them are failing. Many yes. of them are in debt and failing and closing. And so I can't even imagine what this is going to do when people can't pay their bills. Yeah, and also with with hospitals and everything, you've we're still what the lowest industrialized country with infant mortality rates. We have mm-hmm. the highest uh, infant mortality rates among industrialized nations. We have like the second or third highest maternal mortality rates. So we're forcing mothers to give birth, and we can't even keep them alive when we do so. Yeah, and yes. especially of, if you're black. Yes, and one of the pro-life arguments that has been told to me many times, oh, well, they can just have the baby on the government. Because I'm told that's so convenient. They're just going to whine when they have the baby on the government and they need, you know, formula. and f- Or you could just give up the baby is my favorite one. Just yeah. give them up for adoption. Well, yeah, because that's totally not mentally taxing on a human being to carry it for nine months. And like, yeah. what, what about the part where it's growing? Did anybody think of that part? Yeah. It doesn't just come out of you one day. <laughs> like- and, and then in 2010, I looked into adoption to adopt a newborn in 2010. It was $28,000, so I don't even want to know how much it is now. Probably more, but also those people with the will adopt your baby signs at the rallies are the last people that you would ever want to give a baby to. My favorite is the interviews when they ask, have you ever adopted a child or fostered one? And they always say, what? No. 
okay, then what are you doing with that sign? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we have that already. We have that need already. Can you go fulfill it? Yeah. yeah. Why are you signing other people up to do something that you wouldn't do yourself? You know, especially if it's an option to just not. Kind of like them. the opposite of abortion, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, but unless it's happening to them and they're going to find whatever moral reason that they can come up with in their head to justify it. Right. So, you know, taking taking it um, just a just a little bit away, a little little deviation here. But, you know, it's frustrating to me because I've had these conversations with people close to me in my life about this decision and they're adults, they're females and they're you know, they're they're at this point where they're like, well, you know, oh, I probably wouldn't do that. Or I, you know, I'm on birth control or whatever. And I always say, but what if you're raped? What if your daughter is raped? And then they have this reality check of, oh, yeah, that's part of it, too, huh? I forgot about that part. You know, it's not just willing consensual sex. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, my body, my choice, hands off either way. But but even still, just let's have a basic human conversation here. There were how many legislators in the state of Florida that voted against an, um, an amendment to include exceptions for rape, incest, and human trafficking? The fact that you can say no to that is mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. And my I do. I do feel like, um, at least in the state of Florida, because we are dealing with the 15 week abortion ban, no exceptions for rape, incest and human trafficking. I, I personally believe that the Democrats need to start taking over that narrative. Yeah. Um, I know we want to talk about it all and say, you don't have a choice in this period. Like you, this is our bodies. And I'm with that. Don't get me wrong. But I think they need to get loud and proud about that. That disgusting caveat. Yeah. The um, messaging. And just highlighting those representatives that just boldly voted against that. So the messaging campaign for the Democrats is that if you're running against someone who voted against that carve out is that we should start painting them as being pro rapist. They yep. are. And if you they are, if you've heard some of these people, they're like, well, yes, the rapist has rights to the child. No, no, no. Yeah, force them to defend that position, right? Yes. Because there is no there is no way for them to beat around that conversation without it being the most ridiculous response you can think of. You just talk about the human trafficking part. I mean, how could you ask how could you defend that? I mean, Matt Gates might have a really hard time with that. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about that. Well, people have defended Matt Gates, so And also mark my words, if DeSantis is elect reelected in November, there will be a total abortion ban in the state of Florida. Yeah, 100% because he's going to be running for the radical right for yes. presidency. Although, you know, it does blow my mind. I, I I don't understand the insane right radicalization that he has. Um, It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, he's pandering to the tiniest minority of his party that would have voted for him anyway. And I, I truly believe like there's no way that this isn't going to impact his numbers in November. You have to be losing those left-leaning Republicans or those moderate Republicans with the extreme measures that he's taken over his, his tenure. What does it take to break Florida? He went after Disney. That's the biggest employer in Florida. He went yeah. after women's rights. He killed how many thousands of people with his lax COVID laws? You know, as somebody who's on the school board, I mean, it's very obvious that his uh, his campaign for this governorship in November is really going to be focused on education. Um, and we're talking about all these other things because they're in the news right now and they're never going to go away. But right. I don't think that that's the conversation he's going to have over the next couple of months. And I think that's something that we really need to pay attention to because it's it's insane what he has done to public education already. Yes. Um, and And people really need to start having a conversation about the fact that 
hey, by the way, all of these laws that he has produced that attack public education, not one of them applies to a charter school. Not one of them. There is literally caveats in every single one of those laws that say it does not apply to a charter school. Not in those words, obviously. Right. And that's the conversation we need to be having. And so I hope we don't lose focus. Not that these things aren't important to talk about. Of course they are. Uh, but he's just, man, he's just pushing that. He's 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 instilling the fear in those families and those parents. And it's just a complete and utter false. Well, narrative. according to the data of the last election, that is partially why he won. Because he painted Gillum as anti-charter school. Mm-hmm. Which. Right. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, my God. The education system is crap. I mean, I have an autistic child. It is not helping him. Nothing is. I mean, we need serious, serious change. We have to get away from testing. We have to get away from this whole let's sugarcoat history thing. I think the I think the important thing in the conversation of public versus charter, really, especially in the state of Florida, because it's different in every single state, um, is that just the, the average voter doesn't understand the difference and you can't blame them. It's hidden on purpose. <laughs> it's right. very it's very complex. That's a to me, that's like a narrative not even to have when it comes to comes to this war war in uh, November. But right. But I'm with you. I'm with you. We were talking about the SCOTUS, right? Well, hey, they made a decision about education, too. <laughs> yeah, they provided that, you know, religious schools can get money. And they also said that people can pray on the 50 yard line of a football game. Right. Yeah. So get out there, vote, tell your friends to vote. Yes, because if someone puts an education question through the courts and they decide to take it up, they will not hesitate to dismantle education yep. in this country. Yep. I hope John Roberts is happy with his legacy in his final years. I mean, I'm hoping these are his final years, but uh, he's going to stick around for a while. He's I, got the cushiest job he can get. Yeah, he's he's not going to retire. He's going he's no. to die in office. They purposely put a young person in as the chief justice. So that way he would have control of the courts. And this is a banner year for his legacy. Yeah. yeah. Again, if we do nothing... The other side wins. We are doing something. The Democrats in Congress are running the January 6th hearings, which we covered in depth last week. We covered these newsworthy hour-long segments that were broadcast either during primetime or during the day, and they covered blow by blow the invasion of the Capitol building, various people's reactions to it, the mentality of those who were involved. They read out text messages and phone calls, built a sequence of events, and we're building a case. And then after we aired the episode, there was a special January 6th hearing with a surprise star witness. Yes. And this was the hearing that everyone was waiting for. This is the hearing where you have a person that can directly link Donald Trump to the goings-on of January 6th, mm-hmm. before it and during. So we have a lovely 26-year-old, Cassidy Hutchinson, who went around all of the people that... So to establish her, her bona fides, her, her CV, she was a rising star in Mark Meadows's staff. She was his aide, his yeah, personal aide. She was she was Mark Meadows's personal aide, and she was a rising star in the MAGA cult up until things went south. And so she had an inside view 
And because she was a young 20-something, you know, political aide, she could be that fly on the wall. People would just say stuff and think that she wasn't even there. And so she got some really good, juicy bits. And she also has receipts. You think maybe it has something to do with the fact that she is a female? I yes. wasn't going to state that out loud, but yes, a young 20-something female. Well, as a stuff. young female in politics, yeah. I will tell you that is absolutely 100% part of it. <laughs> yeah, being discounted. Yep. Being yeah. mansplained too, which I'm sorry. Yep. And normally... But mansplaining yeah. is when... Uh... <laughs> well, and normally <laughs> when you have political office, you want a younger aide. Because the hours are long, and you need someone who is pretty much unattached in the outside world. Yeah. So they can be on call basically 24-7. Right. And had Trump established his empire on January 6th, she would have a very cushy job, a very cushy position in whatever the Orange House, the Gold House, whatever it would be now. Yeah. And she was pressured by those people to, to stay with the, with the line of Trump. But, I mean, the reality is that unless you serve an active purpose for Trump, he's going to just get rid of you. I mean, loyalty to Trump means nothing because he has no loyalty back. And so she realized this and I'm guessing, you know, decided to tell her story. And she's one of the few close insiders that have. I mean, everyone's like, well, she was just an aide, blah, 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 blah. Well, Mark Meadows won't answer a subpoena. Yeah. And, and she was there and she has receipts. Plus, she told a story about how Trump lunged at a Secret Service agent and lunged at the steering wheel in order to get the limo to drive over to where the insurrection was happening. And the Secret Service is corroborating that. Yep. So they're backing her up. Her stories, her details are ringing true. Yep. They've been talking about it for a year now. Mm -hmm. Internally. So one of the things about stuff like that is that it might have been classified because the details, the reaction of how the Secret Service responds during a crisis situation is going to be locked down because during the next crisis situation, those details could be used to infer how they're going to react to the president. And so that information could cause harm. So that's what, you know, secret top secret means is that it could cause harm if this information was in the wrong hands. But by having someone come forward and put it on record on the House floor, that freed them up to say, yeah, this happened. We can confirm that because it, they might not have been able to previously. So it's not that they didn't want to. Their, their hands may have been tied by the secret nature of how they operate. And also she was integral in between the White House counsel and Meadows. She produced lots of emails and text messages showing that the White House counsel was actively discouraging Trump from getting anywhere near that because, in their words, he would get charged with a litany of crimes. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the problems is that he was successfully held back from going. Like, if he had marched in with the crowd, all of the games that he's been playing for the past year and a half, he wouldn't have gotten away with. Yeah. He would have been charged the same as anyone else who breached the steps of the Capitol. Right. It was corroborated again that... The Secret Service told them that there were weapons in his crowd, and he said, well, that's fine. They're not going to use them against me. Yeah, so he knew where they were armed. He knew they were armed, and he still wanted the Secret Service to drive him and walk him through the Capitol. That testimony, besides the written note that they showed the second-to-last hearing where it's like just 
take out the 11,000 votes and I and the House of Representatives will do the rest. Between that and him knowing that people were armed and him actively trying to get to that insurrection hopefully could provide recommendations of charges. And hopefully Merrick Garland, who is actually subpoenaing his friends now, could actually go and say, hey, yes, we have a case. The slow wheels of justice. But it's coming out on public record. There Apparently there are people that are getting their minds changed because they have evidence showing that Trump directly caused an insurrection, which... If you were, you know, educated in the United States in the 90s and the 2000s, you would never think it ever happened. But yes, that is our pipe dream to hope that one day Trump will be held accountable for his actions and never be allowed to run for office again. The other pipe dream is to keep Ron DeSantis away from the presidency. Dang those Republicans giving politicians a bad name. So this is where we turn to Pam and go, hey, Pam, what's happening locally? She's not here right now. Jen, you got anything local? Not that I'm aware. I am the worst person to ask this. I am not Pam. I know people <laughs> think that we are that we are clone at the hip. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have no idea. She did not give me information to share with you. I am so sorry. It's okay. When is the next school war meeting? Uh, it is on Tuesday. <laughs> okay, every Tuesday. How, how are those yeah. during no, the summer? No, it's every other Tuesday. Every other Tuesday. It is um this coming Tuesday in the morning. So how is summer? Is it a little less uh, tense than? The yeah, l- I mean it's pretty. It's pretty quiet. It's been pretty quiet prior to summer too. Just the same old, same old group of characters coming on in. Yeah, still trying to feeding, ban those books, reading the same thing over and over again. But uh, yeah, nothing new. Our readings are in the morning, so you know that makes it a little bit different. Uh, our workshops are after the the board meeting, so just kind of switches things up. But in terms of hot topics and stuff, we don't really have a whole lot going on. Well, at least it's wonderful. Yeah, at least it's getting boring for you right now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'm really, really happy about that. It's good when work is boring for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I asked the superintendent from the day I was elected for about a year and a half. Hey, when are we going to have a meeting just about broken air conditioning units? Has it has it Um, happened yet? Yeah, I feel like we're there. (laughs) Finally, finally covering those broken HVAC. Yeah, you know, priorities. (laughs) <laughs> yes finally talking about building maintenance instead of every other crazy topic that people brought in all right so yeah we're lonely here email us pushheadpod at gmail.com and jen whenever you would like to come back i know things happened this week that couldn't be helped but yep. you are welcome to always come in and share your views uh-huh. thank you thank you she is our favorite school board member in the United States. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. If you got something out of this and know of anybody who cares about what we're saying here, please share. Word of mouth is everything in the grassroots game. If we're awesome, tell a friend. If we're not, tell us how to get better. This has been another episode of the Push Ahead podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at push underscore ahead or subscribe to our podcast in your podcatcher of choice. You can find relevant links to the stories that we're talking about in our liner notes on our website at pushaheadpod.com. The music is Super String Theory by Lobo Loco.